Coming up next, it's live from my office. Hi, this is Steve Cochran for David Hochberg, the title sponsor of Live from My Office and Team Hochberg. Right now, interest rates have come down a bit, but they're still high. Having said that, life happens. People are still going to need to buy homes. And when you buy homes, you're going to need a mortgage. And when you need a mortgage, who would you turn to? There's a million options and a ton of advertising and promotion. That advertising and promotion sometimes is less than honest. You know what you'll never get from Hochberg? less than honest sometimes i'd argue he's too honest but he actually wants to save you money so even now with these interest rates being what they are if you have to do a mortgage there's only one place i would call the place i've recommended to my sister to my son and my daughter the the place i've used and they've used it is team hochberg david hochberg they're the people to get it done and by the way if you're a company hr benefits manager He's doing a new thing, an affinity program that it, it's, it's free and it's, a, it's another great way to incentivize future hires at a time when more people need uh, great uh, people to come to work for them. What are you offering them? This is a great benefit. Again, doesn't cost you a thing and it's going to help your new employees get themselves mortgages and the best mortgage help from David Hochberg and Team Hochberg. So you HR benefit managers ask about it at 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com. Team Hochberg and David Hochberg, they're getting it done. This is Steve Cochran, and this is live from my office with a quick just hi and thank you for listening. Wherever you do catch podcasts, remember... You can get mine live from my office on every podcast platform I've ever thought of, and YouTube for that matter. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, and you'll never miss one. And listen to the radio show when you can. That is weekday mornings from 530 to 9 Chicago time on the Big 890 WLS in Chicago. But of course, anywhere in the world, you can listen on your smart devices and on your streams. You know, in this world in which we live, I'm recording this introduction from my car as I drive home after the show. And normally during the week, we might play a highlight or two from the radio show for stuff you might have missed. October the 8th is the anniversary of the Great Chicago Fire. And this guy you're going to hear with me today was on the radio show, and he taught me a bunch of stuff I didn't know about the Great Chicago Fire. Who did it? Should we really be blaming the cow? And who's this peg leg guy? And why was Chicago able to rise from the ashes? We'll try to get answers to all those questions when I talk to Richard Lindbergh at Richard Lindbergh, L-I-N-D-B-E-R-G dot net and get some information on the Chicago fire. Pretty cool piece of history. Thanks for listening wherever you listen. And thanks for listening to Live from My Office, as always, produced by Ross Cochran. We're back after this. It's amazing how fast the golf season is flying by. Have you played Cantini Golf? Do you play it regularly? Oh, wait, I've got something for you. It's the Frequent Fairways program. There's great Kemper Sports golf courses all over the country, and this is a new loyalty program from Kemper Sports, the folks that manage Cantini Golf. And you can golf your way across Chicagoland at nine great public courses, including Cantini, my personal fave, and in all likelihood, yours too. Every round you play is going to get you a new reward in the app. You can get Titleist Pro V1 golf balls, Pro Shop discounts, golf cart rewards, even a new Titleist TSI Series driver. All you have to do to join the program 
is download the Frequent Fairways app today. If you go to cantinigolf.com, there's plenty of information there for Frequent Fairways. And man, make a tee time. When you're on that site, make a tee time at cantinigolf.com or pick up the phone and call them at 630-260-8197. Cantini Golf, never been better and killing it for the good people at Kemper Sports. Again, cantinigolf.com or 630-260-8197. Sign up, get the app, be a member of Frequent Fairways today. All right, Jane Class, this is cool. We're going to talk about the Great Chicago Fire. Yes. Um, you know, we're within days of the anniversary of the Great Chicago Fire, and I don't know if anybody knows more about it than Rich Lindbergh. Not that he started it. No, he didn't He didn't kick the candle over. No, he did not. Well, that's what they say. Thanks. Light, light yeah. a match. A lifelong Chicago and an author, a journalist, a historian, written and published 17 books dealing with the history of our city, politics, criminal, justice, sports, ethnicity, you name it. Rich knows about it, including the bad guys and the good guys. All right, the Great Chicago Fire. Um, I don't know where you begin even to discuss it other than was there anything special about that day or the time leading up to it that would have led to that sort of tragedy? Well, uh, the city of Chicago was in uh, pretty dire straits weather-wise. It was the middle of a, of a uh, horrendous drought uh, throughout the Midwest. Uh, the city was a tinderbox, uh, wooden structures mostly. Uh, so that uh, really was the primary cause. But one of the... Uh, interesting side notes to that is that there was a lecturer in those days by the name of Francis Train and in those years uh, public entertainment often involved with uh, speakers from around the country uh, who would give either Chautauqua uh, uh, lectures on various subjects but either way Francis Train was a very mesmerizing speaker and at Farwell Hall uh, just a couple of days before the fire he predicted a calamity of just uh, enormous uh, enormous uh, tragedy and mayhem that would befall the city of Chicago. Now, was this a prophecy or was it something else? Uh, uh, months later, he explained that what he was really referring to was the sin and vice of the city of Chicago, the prostitution, the crime, the gambling, and so on, and he thought that God's hand was going to strike the city. He didn't necessarily mean that it was going to be a calamitous fire, but the, the legend kind of lived on in the subsequent years well, following that. Yeah, and without a doubt, and of course it leads to the obvious question, wh- wh- how long was there a concern about arson, or whatever the word was they used in the day, uh, and and was there ever a serious investigation into that? Well, uh uh, there was no serious investigation into the into arson per se. Uh, uh, it was blamed upon uh, you know upon the O'Leary family at 137 DeCoven. Uh, but in fact, uh, prior to the Great Chicago Fire of October 8th, there had been a, a series of, of horrible fires throughout the city all that summer because of the dry conditions and the wooden structures uh, and the undermanned, understaffed uh, Chicago Fire Department was really having a difficult time put, trying to put out these fires. So it really, um, it really was an, uh, something in many respects that, that almost seemed destined to happen. Well, I mean, it's just fascinating, too. And when you see the visuals of where it started and how the fire spread, I mean, how many square miles was that? And then it was over a course of days. 
Well, uh, it spread northward uh, from DeCoven Street on the west side for four miles uh, up to Fullerton Avenue. It jumped the Chicago River, uh, and and it caused uh, uh, deaths of estimated 200 people, and it rendered 90,000 people homeless. Uh, and not coincidental or coincidental, perhaps, was the fire in Peshtigo, Wisconsin, several hundred miles to the right. north. Uh, the people right. in Peshtigo thought the entire world was coming to an end when they tried to, ra- uh, to contact Chicago by telegraph, only to find out that the city of Chicago was on fire. So that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that where the meteorite um, um, rumor came into play that the, possibly uh-huh. there was a fire that came from above, or is that just the Well, that talk? was the... the an author some years ago wrote a book about Biela's Comet uh, descending upon the Midwest. Uh, I, I, it's an interesting theory, but I don't believe it's credible. Uh, if, in fact, there was some sort of comet, uh, I don't believe that uh, uh, it's, it's, it really struck Chicago. Because also there was another fire in Michigan at the same time, uh, another, uh, another f- uh, fire that destroyed much of a town. So uh, I don't attach a whole lot of significance to it. I just think it was the prevailing weather conditions and uh, and and just really human error uh, that led to this. Uh, but there's a real backstory uh, to the Chicago fire as to who started it or how it started and why and, and the finger of blame that has been pointed at Catherine O'Leary in her cottage at 137 DeCoven. Uh, Historical scholarship uh, has produced other uh, other uh, characters that were likely involved uh, in in the starting of the fire. Uh, and give me an example. Who were they? Well, uh, next door to uh, the O'Leary family were a family known as the McLaughlins, and uh, they were having a party that night, uh, uh, welcoming back uh, a young man by the name of Dennis Connors, who was had just arrived from Ireland, and his return was being celebrated along that night with a few other friends, and they had run out of milk required to make an alcoholic beverage called Milk Punch. Uh, the young people uh, who were at that party did not wish to disturb the sleeping O'Leary's next door. Mrs. O'Leary owned some cows and had a small dairy business uh, in the era before fast food stores and convenience stores. Often uh, the neighbors would go to a local blacksmith. They would go to a supplier of, of, of milk and butter products like Mrs. O'Leary. Uh, this was a very poor area of Chicago uh, known as Conley's Patch. It was mostly an Irish enclave of small uh, uh, yeoman workers uh, okay. uh, selling these products. Well, anyway, the, Mrs. O'Leary was asleep. It was about uh, 8.30 at night, and the family had gone to bed uh, because she would get up very early to milk the cows. Well, um, Dennis Connors, uh, a cousin of Pat McLaughlin, boldly declared that he would venture into the barn and attempt to milk the cow in order to replenish the alcohol supply. However, he did not know the first thing about cow milking, and the nervous cow had indeed uh, kicked over the oil lantern, setting the barn ablaze. Uh, Now, the 
other issue, uh, the other suspect in this is a uh, is a uh, kind of a ne'er do well local character named Peg Leg Sullivan. And, Perfect for this story. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, recent scholarship uh, uh, has pointed the finger of blame at Peg Leg Sullivan, who was uh, either sitting inside the barn smoking a cigar, and the ashes uh, uh, had filtered into the hay and, and thus ignited the fire. Uh, but <clears throat> I've done a lot of research into this. And what seems apparent is that uh, Sullivan was actually across the street, sitting on a street corner, smoking his cigar, when he no- noticed the burst of flame uh, from the barn. And actually, is not really the, should not be classified as a villain or the scapegoat, because he actually alerted the O'Learys to the impending danger and roused them from their sleep, and they came out. Now, um, this is a story uh, that there will be forever. Uh, immense, immersed in uh, in controversy and debate, uh, but I do think that the young people who were at that party really were uh, to blame for it. Now they raced back into the McLaughlin house and they didn't say a word. They were mm-hmm. paralyzed with fear uh, of what the consequences might be, but. Within minutes, the entire block was up in fire, and then the flames were jumping from roof to roof, and within, and everything had completely uh, gone out of control at that point. Uh, so poor old Pegleg, you know, emerges as a hero and not the scapegoat. Uh, well, these are just part of the story. We only got a couple minutes here, and I, 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 I'm really encouraging you to read everything that Rich Lindbergh has ever written or, or hear everything he's ever said about this. But uh, Jane, get one more. Well, there's so many fascinating stories about how it started, but also what was happening when the fire was happening. One of those that I love to hear is that there was the newspaper and the building was burning, but the folks that were doing the news still sat in there and continue to write the paper. Yes, um Actually, uh, a paper was published uh, a day later. The Chicago Journal uh, had uh, come out with a special fire paper. Uh, So communications were immediate, and the city uh, resumed business as much as possible. Now, the fire burned continuously through the 9th of October, uh, and it had reached the north side, and people were, were literally standing up to their necks in Lake Michigan water because imagine the heat and the intensity sure. mm-hmm. and the cinders raise, raising down. But, but the media was still hard at work, and they pointed the blame at poor Mrs. O'Leary based on rumor and conjecture. And here's one final interesting point. Uh, they finally located her after the fire, and remarkably, her house was not destroyed. And several of the uh, reporters uh, classified her in just horrible terms. One reporter called her an old hag, a repulsive-looking old hag. She was only 37 years old. And the family was ostracized socially. Eventually, they had to uh, relocate. They moved to uh, the Stockyards District, where they thought that they would be free from the public scrutiny and the hounding of reporters. And that really, the hounding of uh, the reporters uh, continued into the 1890s when both Patrick and Catherine died. And Catherine never spoke publicly about it. There's no known photograph of her that was ever taken. And her son, the gambler, Big Jim O'Leary, uh, eventually purchased a large obelisk in the cemetery for her because she had an unmarked grave uh, up until the 1910s. How about that? Her son uh-huh. built that. How about that? Yeah, and, and, and uh, the husband, whatever happened to him? 
Uh, Patrick O'Leary died quietly in the early 1890s and uh, and was followed by Catherine a few years later. And uh, but, but the legend and the stories, they always tie it to her. Why was he not included? It was well, Mrs. Uh, O'Leary's was cow. Well, Mrs. O'Leary's cow wasn't the O'Leary's cow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she she was in charge of the business and, and took you know was responsible for doing the milking. But Patrick was actually sought out uh, by vigilance mobs, and there was a fear that they were going to lynch him. Wow. Uh, but it was Catherine's business, so therefore uh, she ran the dairy side of the family business, and then she was held accountable. But Patrick was certainly a targeted uh, by angry, vengeful people. I got to ask you one last question. I know we're kids. late here, but um, amazingly, the city of Chicago's population expanded by 50% in the five years after the fire. Why did it not go the other way? Well, because transportation is everything, and, and Chicago was at the confluence of the great waterways and the railroads, and it presented an enormous opportunity to rebuild the city from scratch. So it attracted entrepreneurs and investors and real estate men uh, from, from the four corners of the country. Uh, it was seen as a great opportunity, and the will and resolve of the Chicago people uh, to to reestablish the city as a point of commerce. Really, um, as a result of all that, Chicago became a city of the world, not so much a city of the United States, but really you can almost trace the whole notion of globalization back to the Chicago fire in the important years that immediately followed when the Chicago School of Architecture came into prominence and just rebuilt the city of stone and steel. It wow. is an amazing, amazing story, and, and I mean, you continue to learn new things. Then one of the most famous fires in American history. Yeah, in the world. Yeah. Yeah, no question. Uh, Rich, great job by you, as always. Thank you. Can we send people to your website? Um, sure, or they can uh, just contact me on Facebook, whatever uh, the case may be. All right, Rich Lindbergh, L-A-N-D-B-E-R-G, richlindbergh.net, or what's the Facebook handle? Uh, just just do a simple Google search. Uh, okay. Rich and, and they'll Easy. find me quickly. Thank you, man. We appreciate the education. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Thanks. Have a good day. You too. Team Hochberg and David Hochberg. Rates are not your friend now. No. Even if they've dropped a bit, rates are not your friend. You know what else isn't your friend? Is actually your enemy. Is waiting. I mean, let's face it. Life in the reality of life happens. People are moving to Chicago every single day, moving to Illinois every single day, and they need homes. And the whole housing bubble thing has kind of changed. You could make money selling your house now, but then you got to figure out where to live. Like all of these questions, all of these quandaries, all of these mysteries of life are surrounding the biggest investment in your life, your house. They can all be answered by David Hochberg and Team Hochberg. Let me tell you about an example. Jamie, 70, a limo driver, business got crushed by the pandemic, was living off credit cards. The stress of not working, credit card debt really made Jamie physically ill, so he called Team Hochberg for a reverse mortgage consultation. Jose Rodriguez, the reverse mortgage expert at Team Hochberg, walked him through it and helped him secure a reverse mortgage, paid off his mortgage, eliminated his credit card debt, reduced his payments $2,500 a month. So before calling Team Hochberg, stress and physical ailments were the rule of the day. After calling Team Hochberg, Jamie secured a reverse mortgage, eliminated that debt, saved $30,000 a year. Team Hochberg's done the same for me and the Live From My Office listeners. Many of you have already been in. Just pick up the phone and call them. I mean, they're not psychics. They're really good at saving you money, but they can't help you if you don't call. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait. 
ask them about refis ask them about uh, a way to help pay off your debts and use your home in the process you know you got equity sitting there and you may need it now 855-56-DAVID or 56david.com you've got questions they've got answers and there are no stupid questions tune in to uh, their radio show home sweet home chicago hosted by david at saturday mornings after house smarts on wgn radio at 10 a.m meanwhile homeside financial is an equal housing lender nmls number 1124061 30 years plus on the airwaves you have turned your dial to me now you're tuned into my podcast it's live from my office steve from Ithaca, New York, to Carolina South, W. Cochran Steve. From Minneapolis, and then Chicago twice, top-rated shows achieved. Sit back, relax, and now listen to my show. When or wherever you are, cause you're on the go. A-list celebs with some laughs and great info. Live from my office, the Steve Cochran Podcast Show. Yeah, 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 No better place to be. Yeah, 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 Subscribe and like for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live from my office, Steve. So glad you're with me. It's live from my office, Steve. Thank you for listening to Live from My Office, a service of Monkey Run Productions. All rights reserved. The podcast is hosted by Steve Cochran, and it's mixed, edited, and produced by me, Ross Cochran. Steve is available for corporate speaking gigs. He would love to MC your event, and occasionally, he's funny. Thank you for listening. Head to CochranShow.com for more.